Hi, you've reached the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Please leave a message. <laughs> Mario! George Hook! Isn't that great that the restrictions are lifted? Myself and Ivan Yates and John Waters are out for a couple of scoops at Fox Rock. But the place is crawling with snowflakes. What happened to this country? Please, could you put out an appeal via your podcast and ask people to have a little more respect for your opinions of others? Thanks. This is Chief Medical Officer Tony Holohan. And Professor Sam McConkey. Listeners should be advised that the restrictions regarding handshakes have been uh, lifted. Regrettably. If you must engage in this practice, please fully disinfect your hand before said greeting. Ensure nails are cut short and all foreign material and bacteria has been thoroughly swabbed from the offending appendage. Wash your hands for at least three minutes. In scorching hot water. With high-grade disinfectant. Preferably bleach. Dry your hands. With a medically sourced hand dryer from Japan. And shake briefly. Very briefly, just a quick brush. Withdraw the hand and repeat stages A through F. God God help help you you all. all. Well, isn't it just great that the Mario Rosenstock podcast hotline is still hopping? We get loads of messages um, on the hotline and I actually get loads of messages to my email as well. And thank you all for corresponding to me, uh, MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. Can we play a small sample here? So stay tuned for more over the coming weeks. Now, if you're a fan of golf or sport in general or even some stuff from Irish broadcasting, Uh, You may be very familiar with this week's guest. He has been golf correspondent at the BBC and Fox Sports, and he's currently the host of CNN's Living Golf. It's a dream job. Whenever I'm away on holidays and I tune into CNN and I see Shane hanging around at some of the best golf courses of the world, and I go, God, he's a lucky son of a... Shane O'Donoghue knows all the players, all the courses and all the greats uh, and behind-the-scenes stories with those greats from that fascinating world. Shane was also... Uh, Ryan Tuberty's right-hand man when Tubbs presented the 2FM breakfast show, the full Irish, all those years ago. I remember it distinctly because it was the only breakfast show, uh, how shall I say, to um, hmm, to challenge the Ian Dempsey breakfast show on Today FM, where I produced the Gift Grub comedy sketches. Uh, no, it did very well against us, and it was kind of the start of uh, Ryan Tuberty's meteoric rise. So he's also some great backstage stories about RTE and some of the many broadcasters he's worked with. Uh, And get this, Shane has had a few very interesting meetings with, guess who? Donald Trump. He's even played a few rounds of golf with him. I was fascinated to hear about this. So as you can imagine, Shane and I had a lot to talk about in this episode. Donald Trump wanders in and he just sits down in the chief executive's seat, (laughs) right? Yeah. Beside me. And I just kind of turned and I said, Mr. Trump, nice to see you again. Remember we did that feature for CNN last year at your course in Aberdeen? And he just looks at me and he says, they tell me that was the highest rated show you've ever done. (laughs) So I copy it and I said, get a load of this. It's a fantastic Sergio impersonation. I'm not joking you, within 20 minutes... Sergio is tweeting about this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just took a real shine to it. Yeah. And then the next, with Sergio's validation, they all started heaping onto it and sharing it. The door goes, and it's her in a fur coat. She drops the fur coat at the door. <laughs> Starkers. 
<laughs> that happened to him. Those kind of things happened to Tony. Tiger had chipped in on 16 the night before. I turn up and I'm teeing off the 10th. So within a few minutes, I am there on 16 where Tiger hit one of the greatest shots of oh, all time. Oh, was this um, my goodness in your life? <laughs> My full chat with Shane O'Donoghue coming up very shortly, right after this week's comedy sketches. Uh, But before we get to that, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you for all the lovely emails, voicemails and messages on social media that you sent in about last week's episode with Charlie Bird. I suppose if I had one word for the whole thing, it would be inspirational. And thanks for the kind words. Um, I was hoping that Charlie, I know he's going through an extremely difficult period at the moment, um, but I thought that maybe I could help lift his spirits, have a bit of crack and, and he would... Join in, and join in and have the fun. And he really, really did. He responded to the whole thing. The power of the man is incredible. Um, his relentless optimism. And of course, as I said last week, the love that surrounds him and the love that's reflecting and being bounced off him um, to everybody and from everybody. I thought it was a genuinely special and moving interview. And I'm delighted that it seems you did too. But many of you also made special mention uh, of, as I said, the crack that Charlie and I had. And and I'm very grateful for that as well. He's going through an incredibly tough time, as you know. And he was still up, well up for having a laugh with me, interacting with all the phone calls uh, he received from people like Daniel O'Donnell and Michael D. Higgins. If you haven't heard this, listen back to it. Um, I really did enjoy it myself. And I think Charlie did as well. Uh, and if you do, please hit the subscribe button if you're listening to Apple on Apple Podcasts or the follow button if you're listening on Spotify. And most importantly, share the episode with a friend. So what in the name of all that's holy is happening with Russia this week? Threatening war with the Ukraine, massive standoff there. There's another standoff going to be coming here, performing military exercises off the coast of Ireland. The story is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And of course, my fellow podcasters, some of them, they're all over it. You're listening to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the Russians uh, say that they will be carrying out military drills just off the coast of Cork. Meanwhile, a fleet of Irish fishermen insist they will oppose the Russians. They will protest. I'm joined to discuss this by one of the most seasoned analysts of international diplomacy and indeed geopolitical conflict, the great John Giles. Hi, Eamon. John, this is an incredibly complicated international diplomatic situation, is it not? Ireland and the Russians in a standoff. How do you see this one going, John? I think the Russians will win, Eamon. Really? Why so, John? Well, it stands to reason, Eamon. Yes. The Russians have several 5,000-ton naval warships, Eamon, armed with nuclear-tipped ballistic missiles, Eamon. Yes. Capable of vaporising Ireland within seconds. Well, that's very interesting. We have a couple of fishing boats. No, that's an incredible observation, John. You need a threat up front, Eamon. Now, the Russians have a threat. Yes, you do. Thermonuclear war. Yes, that's Armageddon. Now, where are we, are our side, going to find the threat from, Eamon? No, a fishing rod isn't going to cut it, John. That's, that's great. Thanks, John. Tomorrow, we'll be uh, talking about wormholes, chaos theory, black holes, uh, uh, pulsars and quasars in the company, again, of the great John Giles. See you then, folks. 
Joanne. Yeah, what? These Russians are really scary. I think they're a bunch of rides. A load of Russian lads are big missiles. Fucking bring it on, babes. Well, like the fishermen haven't a chance. Unless we distracted them, Vogie. How? Why would we well, do... they must be bored out of their fucking trees, staring at their nukes and pulling their plums or whatever the Russians do. <laughs> yeah. So let's get a boat with a few bottles of Pinot Grigio and go out there. But why, Joanne? Give me aboard one of those nuclear warships. What? Why would you do that? So I can ride them all to death. Who? Ride who? The ridey Russians. Who? What do you think? That'll distract them. Then our fisherman lads can just jump on board and take over or whatever it is. Wow, that could really work. Nuclear war averted and I get a savage workout for my arse. Uh, Ching! Yeah, you'll always get an interesting take on the big news stories of the week on my favourite podcasts. So, thanks as ever to Curry's for supporting the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Um, Curry's have been a wonderful supporter of this podcast from day one. And Patrick and I love putting together all of the various elements that go in to every weekly episode. Um, the support and trust that Curry's give us is and has been so important over the last um, nine or ten months um, in order for us to make that happen. There is, of course, a Curry store not far away from you. You know it, uh, where you are right now. So make sure to pay a visit soon. And check out all of the great products and prices that Curry's have to offer. So let's meet this week's guest. Shane O'Donoghue is at the mic waiting to tee off. When I was reading through my notes for the interview, there was so much interesting stuff there that one particular part jumped right off the page. And that's where we, of course, jumped off. You probably guess what it is. When I saw this, um, I just went, OK, that's where we're going to start. <laughs> God you forbid. played golf with Donald Trump. That's true. You had lunch with Donald Trump. That's also true. Okay, I don't care what else happens in this interview. That's all I want to talk about. Yeah. How did it come about? What were the circumstances? Tell me about the details. I want colours on the walls. I want menus. I'm big into the details, right? Okay, so I want then the crack. Give it to me. Start at the beginning. It was 2014. It was May. And uh, I flew to Aberdeen and I was scheduled to interview Donald Trump with regard to the opening of his new course, which is Trump International Aberdeen, which is uh, a Lynx course. It's magnificent. And uh, so I went there, having interviewed him once before, also there while they were in construction. Okay. And um, on that occasion, he arrived into this small little office in a cottage on, on the site. And he was literally orange. Uh, whether he you know, is on the sunbeds or he just was caked in whatever makeup because he knows he's going to be taken or he's going to be uh, photographed. Yeah. So there we are. And uh, we have a fairly serious interview type kind of scenario Mm. because he's looking for uh, different permissions. He doesn't want any of these wind farms to be seen off uh, from the the site of the course, it's still the, ongoing right now, I believe it is. Yeah, so you know, we it was fascinating to have that kind of ten minutes with him, mm. and um, he was a seasoned interviewee, <laughs> and <laughs> he congratulated me, or no, he he com- complimented me on asking a very serious question about the wind farms and kind of you know from the point of view of the the neighbours and those who didn't want him there in the first place. Never mind, he's you know, anti-wind farms uh, stance. Um, you know, they didn't... Where want did you interview him? On a course, outdoors or inside? Inside in this little office yeah. in a small cottage, which was uh, an old uh, building on, on the site. Yeah. And then you played? No. Oh. So then in 2014, yeah. I went back to actually see the course. Yeah. 
because it was totally under construction when I was yeah. there first in 2012. So this is 2014. Yeah. And um, he is hovering around outside the clubhouse and I say to him, Mr. Trump, Shane O'Donoghue, CNN, uh, we're doing a piece with you. Um, ideally, we'd like to play a few holes. And he looks at me, processes and says, OK, I'll be ready in 10 minutes. So quite literally, he and I went to the first tee. No, the 10th tee, actually. And, two uh, ball? Just the two yeah, of us, yeah. yeah. And, and um, no cameras? Yeah, there were, we, oh, had, yeah we had yeah. two cameras, okay. you know, filming us loosely. And this is the CNN? This is for CNN, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's on the website, you can have a look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I proudly wore a bright orange jumper, white pants. So he was, you couldn't green, see him then, he was green. camouflaged. <laughs> and, yeah, out of respect for him, yeah. Um, and I had green golf shoes. Just, I was kind of doing my Irish, Irish thing, thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not that he even noticed. But, no. um So we played, let me see, we played the back nine in, in, in Aberdeen. And we would stop invariably during, you know, the course of the round, whether it's on the tee, just talking about the design, talking about, you know, how much it's costing him. And he had just that week or around that time uh, purchased Turnbury. Mm. So I was quizzing him. I kind of went into him. I says, how much did that cost you? You know, because he got it for, you know, he got a, a great deal. I got a great deal. Mm. So it was all that and sort does of he, stuff. Does he, does he, does he, is he forthcoming on th- things about money? Or yeah, he, he was straight up about well, it, you know, yet? how much it cost him. Mm. And of course he had purchased Dune Beg, which he got for a song at the time. You mm. know what I mean? Because, you know, they were in a bit of distress down there. The previous owners, Kiowa Developments or whatever, were backing out or things had gone wrong with their company. So it was up for grabs and he got it for half nothing, really. Mm. And um, so he spoke a little bit about that, you know, and he loves Lynx Golf and he was kind of dropping Peter Dawson's name literally, liberally because he was the boss of the RNA at the time. He wanted to make sure that the Open would be played in Turnbury, which it has not been played at Turnbury since 2009. Hmm. And while Trump is a figurehead, it, it won't be played there, yeah. you know, so um, he was trying to play games and whatever. But, you know, we had little moments where we were still mic'd up, mm. you know. <laughs> and there was no locker room talk, which he became famous for uh, two years later or whatever. But he he did admit that he was under a lot of pressure, that being Trump was even bigger than, you know, he could handle at times. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, right. So this this thing went on and we played our game and uh, came in off the 18th and he said, uh, Shane, do you want to come for lunch? And I went, absolutely. So in we trot into this makeshift clubhouse and he called over the um, greenkeeper, the head course superintendent, who was also Irish, and his lawyer, who I've gotten to know a bit actually since then. And we sat down and uh, we had burgers and chips and uh, Diet Cokes or whatever. And uh, there was this point in the conversation, we were just chatting away and I was just kind of earwigging to be honest with you I was the ultimate fly on the wall and uh, he picks up this little jar of Heinz ketchup and he goes honest to God you know that Tony O'Reilly guy you know they, they, they call him this great businessman but all he's got to do is increase the price of a jar of, hell, of Heinz <laughs> tomato ketchup by one cent every year and, you know, record profits. It's it's such yeah. such an easy game. You know what I mean? And that guy, I have no time for him, you know. Yeah, didn't, I, didn't know time for O'Reilly. No, because O'Reilly apparently was on some Charlie Rose or something. And uh, he was asked, you know, who does he admire in business? And is there, are, there, are there any people you don't admire? 
and he's he he mentioned Trump's name and Trump had watched this program and so he decided that yeah. uh, O'Reilly was uh, enemy number one. Yeah, and, and it's funny you said he played golf there, right? Because. Uh, Anybody who's read Rick Riley's Commander and Cheat, yeah, uh, it's a great book by this this American journalist and uh, writer, and he talks about how Trump um, invariably and o- always, in fact, cheats yeah. at golf. As a matter of course, it's not even that he's actually it's it's cheating; it's pathological cheating. So he'll cheat in front of people. Yeah. So he'll let's say he hits one plop in the lake. He'll go. I'm taking a mulligan now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're going. Oh, oh, oh okay. You're you're going to take a mulligan, or he's nine feet from the hole. That's a gimme. So no, that's not a gimme. It is now. <laughs> well, I didn't experience that, but I, I did give mm. him a few putts, and he gave me a few putts, and mm. he said, "We're playing corporate golf." You know, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> because you're always taking out clients in corporate golf. So being nice, really and truly, what you're doing is you're spending quality time with someone right. who you want to do business not with. Not haggling. So you know, over you know, putts. Yeah, I'll give you that putt. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll give you know. that putt, and you invest at my firm. Yeah, but I mean, I read the book. Rick Riley is a decorated journalist, sports journalist with Sports Illustrated, and uh, you know, he's he he wrote a fantastic book there, and. Um, I could see it, you know. I didn't witness it myself in the nine holes that I had with him, but I could believe it. Yeah, yeah. Trump, eh? Wow. But funnily enough, Mario, the following year, I I got the opportunity to do probably one of the the biggest gigs of my career. I was asked to emcee the opening of the Jack Nicholas room at the USGA's headquarters. Mm. So the United States Golf Association, you know, they run golf in America and along with the R&A, they create the rules of the game. But they have a museum, which is the oldest sports museum in America. And it's in Far Hills, New Jersey, where they're headquartered. And they built on an extra wing to celebrate the career of Jack Nicklaus. Mm. And there are only other four four other rooms, you know, for Arnold Palmer and a few others. Ben Hogan, uh, who they celebrate with artifacts and just magnificent memorabilia. And they had to build this wing onto the museum for Jack. And so I was asked to emcee it. So I flew out to um, New Jersey uh, with my dad. It was during the Irish Open in 2015 at uh, Royal County Down. And I was busy. I was working up there, but I hopped on a plane on the Tuesday, brought my dad with me and... um, we flew over, uh, got in Tuesday afternoon, evening. And then on Wednesday, I interviewed Jack, interviewed Barbara separately, his wife. And then I emceed this event for maybe an hour and a half. And so I was there kind of just pacing around before the event started. It was in a marquee just outside the museum. And they have a seat for me in the front row. So people were gathering and just get, you know, taking their Mm. seats behind. But in the front row, there was a seat for me. There was a seat for the uh, president of the USGA and a seat for the chief executive of the USGA just to my left. So I I was not going to be sitting in my seat for very long because I had to go up on the the stage and MC. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like this is two o'clock in the afternoon. And in the door of this marquee appears this huge figure, this shadow. (laughs) And it's DJT himself, you know, Donald Trump wanders in. He hasn't been invited (laughs) and he wanders across (laughs) and he just sits down in the chief executive seat, right? Yeah. Beside me. And my dad is sitting three rows back or whatever. He's watching all this go on. And I just kind of (laughs) turned to Trump and I said, um, 
Mr. Trump, nice to see you again. Uh, remember we did that uh, feature for CNN last year at your course in Aberdeen. And he just looks at me and he says, they tell me that was the highest rated show you've ever done. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I just laughed at him. I said, that's yeah. why you're Donald Trump. Yeah. And so anyway. Well, this was, this was, you see, yeah, well, just to stay at Trump for a minute. Because, you see, that was the, what I would describe as the different earlier Trump. Yeah. And, and for example, there was a famous episode of, of uh, I forget the name of the show, but it's the comedy roast. In, yeah. In, oh, yeah, Comedy absolutely. Central. Yeah, and where they ripped into him. And all Trump, the comedians, Trump yeah. just sits there yeah, and, and gets takes abused. It. Yeah. Absolutely brutalized. Yeah, absolutely. And just takes it, right? And you're just going, that's kind of early Trump. He knows yeah. that he's, he's, a, he's a sort of a property figure in New York who is ridiculed. And he kind of takes it on the cheek. And every so often he used to go to Letterman and Letterman yeah. used to pull his tie. And, yeah. and Letterman used to go, this isn't real. He was a PR man. Your planes yeah. will yeah. fall out of the sky. Trump planes, they'll just fall out of the sky. And he goes, hey, you can't say that to me, Dave. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so like he was a figure of fun, really, mm. until it got serious. Yeah. So, well, funnily enough, I mean, um, I introduced him to my father afterwards outside, just outside the marquee when it was all done. And I said, Mr. Trump, this is my, my dad. He um, has followed your career <laughs> and I'd like to meet you. So he, he shakes my dad's hand and he said, uh, you know that uh, show I did with your son last year on CNN? <laughs> Highest rated show they've ever done. And he just turns and burns. And two weeks later, I kid you not, he's walking down the escalator or whatever in Trump Tower. That was about two weeks later. And he's later, about to it? announce his candidacy yeah. for the Republican nomination. He came down the golden escalator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah which, which everybody was paid $50 to be at. <laughs> it was hilarious. I know, yeah. There was about 150 people there, all paid $50. Yeah. yeah. Gas, isn't it? Well, the, I mean, you know, he, he knows the value of TV mm. and exposure and whatever, but he, he turned into a different beast, you know, from then on. Yeah. Um, and... So Shane, thanks a million for coming on this because this this happened by complete freak because you just texted me and said uh, whatever, enjoying the podcast, enjoying the podcast, and I said, come on, happy new year, yeah, come on, and you're there, I go away, stop, I I wasn't mooching for a bit on the podcast, I'm like, no, 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 I'm I'm mooching for a bit because I keep, you see, I think that you're always away, yeah, and this is the thing, so we want to tell people then uh, the 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 situation because I see you on this, you know, CNN living golf, yeah, and I see you around the world playing the most exotic golf courses on the world, and believe me, you do anchorman it up a bit. This is Shane O'Donoghue, and I'm in Cyprus. Avenue or wherever it is. This is Shane O'Donoghue live in Dubai and I'm where you're not. This is Shane O'Donoghue. I'm, I'm in... Shane O'Donoghue and this is Living Golf. There you are. That's my... See, that was me doing that impression, yeah. by the way. Uh, and uh, this is Living Golf and I'm in somewhere way better than you. Your shitty little life in I know, January. I know, I know, I know. And so then I always think you're away, but you're yeah. not. So you're not away. Just exp- explain that to us. I've never been away. I've... Uh, <laughs> I'm here. I do it all from a green screen in Clontarf. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I have been over the last year and a half. It's been shocking, but um, like I have a little studio at home, mm. um, but invariably, and it will happen tomorrow because we couldn't travel this month with um, just the, the virus and different uh, problems that we had with regard to getting into a certain country. So I am meeting a cameraman in my house tomorrow and he will film me in the kitchen doing a few links. Yeah which will be stitched into the programme. Yeah. And I've done all the voiceovers today and um, I'll right. do a few more uh, tomorrow. But, you know, invariably, yeah, I'm at home. But I like just going to Dublin Airport and flying away and flying home. You know, and that's what that my, that's been my life for the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. But 
uh, I've never left. No, so but it, but in a way, like it's it's a really cool gig. Oh no, it's, it's the a ultimate wonderful gig. gig. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're 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 you are you're a low handicap golfer. I won't. I mean, I know that golfers are 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 a little sensitive talking about their handicaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm not a real golfer, so I have no problem in talking about <laughs> handicaps. But when you get down to Shane's level, you kind of don't go there. Nah. And and uh, so anyway, you're a low handicap golfer who has the ultimate gig really going around the world, playing the world's best courses and talking to the biggest people in golf all the time where you're... All it's amazing, it's amazing what, what it does. I mean, the doors that are open just with that CNN microphone mm. because they know that it's... Well, I work for CNN International, which is seen in 200 countries. Exactly. So I get it's, bizarre kind of people just texting me or tweeting at me or yeah. whatever, you know, they're watching me. Or occasionally I get friends who see me while they're on their, you know, holiday in Bali or whatever. <laughs> and I turn up on their television. That's and right. You know. I always watch you at Christmas when I'm away on holidays in Tenerife. Yeah. And I'll just go, oh, living golf. And <laughs> there he is. Yeah. It's but that's the only time in my life I can actually say, Shane Donahue, and I'm, and I'm in a better place than you. And I go, no, you're not, bitch. <laughs> <sighs> well, I used to uh, do a lot of tweeting. I don't do as much now, um, but I would always say today's office. Yeah. That's all I would say. And then here's a photo and uh, there are palm trees or whatever there are. Yes. And there's usually a yes. su- sunny golf course. Sorry, there's one thing to finish about Trump there. And that was, um, I, I don't know if you know my, or I don't know if you're a mutual friend of my friend. I can't remember. My, one of my best friends, my, one of my best friends, my best friend probably is Nick Webb. And uh, Nick is... Um, Sunday he, Times. Uh, Sunday Times, Business yeah. guy, mm, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he used to be the Sunday business uh, of the, the Independent, the editor of the... But um, Nick, uh, <laughs> it was hilarious talking about Trump because he showed me this. We were talking about Trump. And went, Look at this. And uh, it was a letter that, or a note that Trump had written Nick. And it just went, Nick, just seen your article in The Independent. It's totally false, totally fake. Best Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you kind of wonder how that happens. And it's because he has media monitors. And as yeah. people are aware, yeah. who's watched anything on Trump. He spends approximately the first two hours of every day of his life yeah, exactly. going through the clippings. Yeah, yeah. And anybody who's written anything with the names Donald and Trump in it, yeah. it, it pops up. And then he'll get back to them with his big sharpie fucking marker. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I believe it. A funny guy, though. I mean, it's just like, you know, he, suddenly you're in his presence and you're in his company. He's a big guy. He is. He's six foot four or three. Six three, yeah. I think. Yeah. And uh, the hair is, I mean, it's sprayed into behold, place. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I remember when having had that lunch with him in 2014 and I was out in the car park then <laughs> back to normal, like, you know, uh, we had to film some other stuff and whatever. And he is uh, just after getting into this big black Mercedes and uh, he's about to, the car is about to head out. He's being driven, but the window comes down and he says, Shane, the women in Aberdeen are phenomenal. Just want to warn you. <laughs> You see that Trump you're describing yeah. is comic, yeah, and he's kind of <laughs> he's self he's he's self deprecating. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he knows he's taking the piss. Yeah. So, but you see, that's a different thing. Yeah, but when he admitted that he, you know, he was stressed having to be on all the time. You know, so yeah. like he took a moment to just. I like what you said. To, sometimes you know, being Trump is too hard for me to, for me even to handle, and I'm Trump. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So okay, um, might talk a bit more about golf in a while, but um, yeah, no another problem, reason yeah. why people would know you, of course, is from you know not only your golf and RT, but actually you know you 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 and um, Ryan Tuberty kind of had a bit of a great double act. 
yeah. um, back on 2FM as well, um, on The Breakfast Show, which was called The Full Irish. That's right. And we remembered The Breakfast Show, myself and Ian Dempsey, as a breakfast show that used to piss us off quite a lot. Okay, good. Because it was the only breakfast show that RT d- ever did, which overtook us in the ratings. Thank you. And... Uh, because we had been king of the, the breakfast uh, This is true Until that point And since then we have been as well I have no doubt <laughs> he, lo- he loves it now that I'm giving it to him But when you guys got there I've got to say Shane You went to 255 255 And uh, you know Full Irish was doing well What was it about um, Tell me about you and Tuberty Or Tuberty I wanted to ask you about What you think about Tuberty I mean I know you're not going to say anything nasty about Ryan But what does it make him popular And would you have any comments about his, the, like a bit of the phenomenon that is Ryan Tuberty in Ireland? I mean, he has. Yeah, well, a- it was interesting to see it at the very beginning mm. of its rise, because he and I joined RT at the same time mm. in uh, 1996. Mm. And he's one of the first people that I met when I came in the mm. door, because I was going to the 2FM office and he was there. And he had just joined, having kind of graduated from UCD, and he was a runner for Jerry Ryan. He was. But he, there was, a, he had a, you know, there was a, what's the expression, a cut to his jib or whatever it was. Yeah, well, he has a certain confidence. Yes, he does. But um, he was extraordinarily friendly and the two of us just got chatting and... He's chatty. Very He's quickly, very, chatty. very quickly, we established a mutual love for McCartney. Mm. Uh, although I liked Lennon a lot myself, but mm. I... I Totally respect Paul McCartney. So we just got off and running. And so we would have just seen each other then for the next few years. My career was going um, mildly up and then down, down, down. I, you know, I was in, I was just, you know, I was in a swamp in, in RT trying to, trying to survive. Trying to find your way almost or trying yeah, to find, and, and find your, your, your um, identity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they may what have. What are you? Yeah. They have human resources, I believe. They have a department in, in RT, but you know, Career development is certainly not one of them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like no, but it is that thing as well. When sink you're in, or swim. It, it is, yeah, but it is that thing as well when you're in a place, any uh, uh, media institution, where people who are in positions of power are always trying to go, what is he? Where do we put him? Yeah. What's he going to do? Is he is he light entertainment? Yeah. I mean, because Marty Morrissey is always trying to move from, let's say, you know, sport. What I really want is is entertainment. Yeah. And you're going, you know, and I mean, fair play to him because I've heard him doing entertainment and he's actually very good at it. Uh, but, yeah, but Marty is the ultimate RT man. You know what I mean? He's, he'll move around. And he has been knocked and beaten around the place. <laughs> Give me more. And, and you know, he relentlessly goes back and beats down another door. Right. You know, and insists on doing this or yeah. pleads to do that. Yeah. You know, so I got shoved around a little bit, Mm. um, you know, and I wasn't really making it as a jock. I was Mm. never a jock. Mm, No, no, I wouldn't have even said that either. So I, you know, I, but I came from Galway Bay FM. I did three years there and did the breakfast show and, you know, I did well at it. Um, But it didn't transfer when I joined RTE, when I joined 2FM, which was like my ultimate dream. Mm. And I pursued that relentlessly because I was coming from nothing. I mean, I had no connections uh, you know, people think I'm related to Tony O'Donoghue or I'm re- I must sure. be related to someone because it's so full of nepotism and all the rest of it. But no, I literally just bust down the door, yeah. you know, and sent in tapes and got the opportunity. And then I was kind of, you know, here I am amongst my heroes, you know, yeah. Eno and uh, Tony Fenton, yeah. Jerry Ryan. Jeez, this yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. But you and are, they were general kind of heroes of yours. Oh, ah, yeah. yeah. Look, yeah. I grew up on those yeah, guys, yeah. you know, and... Um, Larry. Larry, just yeah. the ultimate, you know, yeah. the ultimate at just saying very little, mm. but saying it so well mm. and just keeping the show moving. You mm. know, he was just the king. Mm. 
uh, but I like I just didn't have that. And but I would analyze all these people. Mm. I mean, my hero was Terry Wogan. Mm. I saw you. I remember heard in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and um, you know, and I got to meet him and everything. And he he lived up to all expectations. And in later life, just before he died, like he he and I were exchanging emails, and he was mm. extraordinarily supportive. But sorry, I'm and he played golf as well. Loved of course, it, he loved yeah. golf. Loved he was it. half decent, was he? Or uh, yeah, he, he was handy. A yeah. Bit, yeah. Oh yeah, big into it. Mm. But you know. RTE is just this place where, you know, you can either get a lucky break. Sometimes if you get a lucky break, then they might actually overexpose you mm. or then they don't know what to do with you after it or whatever. And so I, I'll get onto that. Yeah. That's what happened with uh, Ryan and I. But, you know, I was I was kind of dying on my arse for a, a couple of years, you know, just hanging on, hanging on and utterly frustrated, kind of where am I going in this business? And... Um, it's funny because I was listening to some of your podcasts and like one of the major breakthroughs for you was in 2002 with Saipan. Mm. And Saipan actually presented me with this glorious opportunity. Um, Ryan had just started the Full Irish on the 18th of March, 2002. And uh, he was struggling big time. And they wanted, I mean, the letters. At the beginning. Oh, shocking. Oh, yeah. Was that right? Oh, they wanted them off. Did they? Yeah. I mean, Damien McCall had been presenting it. Yes. You know, who wasn't the biggest personality. No, but he was a jock. He was a total jock. Mm. And he had, you know, gone on to present the den and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, he had moved on and they gave Tuberty the gig. Mm. Tuberty was not clicking with Des Cahill. Right? Yeah. And Des and Eno had this magical thing they for did. so long, right? They did. And then, but Eno, Eno was gone in, you know, a couple of six years at this stage. No, yeah. Uh, three, four, four years. Four, four yeah, years, yeah. yeah. And um, so, they, you know, they were struggling to kind of get a breakfast show that really worked. Yeah. So they took a massive punt on Tubbs, but he was struggling. And, and, and Des is an ordinary kind of a character you know what I mean yeah. he, he, he's not the easiest yeah he's lovable in some ways but yeah. you know yeah. he's testy he can right? be prickly yeah yeah he's very prickly yeah, yeah. but um, you know uh, Tubbs wasn't clicking with him at all Saipan well happens, in fairness right? now if I stop you there for a moment because okay. I, I feel confident about this because yeah. first of all full disclosure right I know mm. Tuberty fairly well yeah. and second of all I regard him as a fundamentally uh, decent fellow oh yeah um, but he fucking knows nothing about sport Right. Oh, I know that. Right, and the second thing yeah. is a lot of that person you see on the on 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 the radio, and it's not Tuberty. And I'll tell you, you don't have to nod to me now or anything, but he's a much darker <laughs> sense of humour than the person that's presented. I there. know all of his senses of humour. Yeah, I can tell and you believe that. me, he's kind of he's that. Put it like this: maybe why I like him, yeah, is because he has a completely far, far gone sense of humour. Yeah, and then the one he would dare present on the radio, he doesn't. So, a boss, he did for a period. On the full Irish. And you it know, wasn't. There were elements of his... Oh, yes, yeah. right. And, and he was magical, I thought. Oh, great, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but just getting back to that point, Desi then hightails it, you know, because this Saipan thing is breaking and um, I'm asked to just fill in one day and uh, Tubbs and I just clicked like that. It was like... Straight uh, out of the car park. Hot knife through butter. Like it was just... It was like a knowing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. I know his personality yeah. and I know his sense of humour. Yeah. And um, we just started to get a little bit naughty. Do you know what I mean? And, oh yeah. And I and I, I 
I went with it. Oh, absolutely. Went with oh, we, were, we were aware of it because we, me, me and Ian used to mention that they, those two are clicking really well over there. Yeah. And I remember, I, I don't think Ian used to call it, but I used to call it the fucking Nissan Micra Brigade um, because all these women in Nissan Micras used to be tuning into you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hated Nissan Micras then yeah, after this yeah, because yeah. it was all sort of, it was that time in Ireland, 2002, 2003, when people were piling into work. Piling into work. That's right. I mean, Bertie was on fire. Yeah. There's 50,000 new jobs a week. Yeah, but I mean... Look, and all of them in Nissan The economy Micras. was just starting to boom, oh, really right? So was. people were commuting. Yeah. yeah, they were. And the PR birds and, you know, whatever, mm. the marketing girls that Tobes used to go after, you know yeah. what I mean? And slag and yeah. whatever. They lapped it up, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. he and I just got on like, you know, uh, house on fire. It was and, good, yeah. Um, not long after that, then Des went out to, you know, he went out to Korea and Japan or whatever for the, the World Cup. Yeah. And I went in and did the sport. Yeah. And uh, Des never came back on the show. Mm. He went to Radio 1 fully on Morning Ireland, but he didn't go back on the 2FM breakfast show. Tubbs, you know, he, he, um, he wanted this vibe. And he wanted me to hmm. just do what I do. So you did it for a few years together, didn't you? We did it for the three years yeah, that the show yeah. was on the air. It was air. really good, yeah. He, he pulled it on the 18th of March 2005 hmm. on the third anniversary hmm. um, because Marion Finucane was moving to weekends. Hmm. And Marion Finucane, as you've seen, like in some of her interviews, you know, she was starting to kind of feel the pressure of the Montrose heads and, you know, they weren't quite happy with her in the mornings or whatever. Yeah. And someone had the great idea to put her on weekends. Yeah. And she, she mulled that over. She wasn't so sure about no, it. No, and she kind of reinvented the she concept totally of weekends being a thing. Yeah, but it opened up a position for Ryan, which he couldn't refuse. I mean, yeah. Ryan is the ultimate politician. Yeah. Like, you know, he's schooled in politics. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's part of his DNA. Yeah. So he's the kind of guy who would career manage and he could see where he could get to oh. if he takes these steps. You know, and he'd started then, I think, towards the end of our reign to... Um, get his own TV show. Yeah. He hosted the Rosa Tralee. Yeah. And uh, all of these things went well. Like he was the ultimate MC. I mean, he was just very good at that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, he is, he is a showman. Yeah. He is are you still a ringmaster. Oh, we are. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not much now, but yeah, you know, I know. We, yeah. We, we, uh, we, we have a running joke, a private joke between us, which, you know, we'd always kind of connect with each other. And um, so now with the get back thing and the Beatles thing, we've been oh, back and yeah. forth quite a bit on that. Um, and but I we, see him occasionally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'd always we'd always make plans to have a lunch. Yeah. You know, which invariably happens. Yeah. You know. Yeah. In the same place. Yeah. And we have the same bite to eat and we go through the yeah. orders of the day, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know my, my, my big joke with him is off air. My big joke with him is talking dirty as gay burn. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he absolutely, we get off on that. We have a good time because we, we're just about to do the Late Late Show, for example. Yeah, and you're yeah. just saying unmentionable, unmentionable stuff as yeah. gay burn. And he's there, go on, go on, go on, go on, yeah. let it go. And then it's a good But he's cr- a big laugher. I mean, he loves, he loves all that sort of he stuff. He does, you know? yeah. Yeah, he does. He loves the crack. Um, stories then from 2FM as well, because you, you mentioned a mutual friend then. Yeah. Fentone. Oh, the ultimate, yeah. yeah. I mean, remember Tony- anything from Fentone? Because at this stage, like I am, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm practically a collector now. Tony was fantastic. Yeah. And he was so kind and um, generous, you know, when I joined, mm. you know, because he was the ultimate jock. So, and the other thing is like, he was single. Uh, he was a man about town. So like, he'd be calling you up like, you know, come on, we're meeting in uh, whatever, you know, the hairy lemon, you know, uh, let's go. We're, mm. we're on the, we're on the town tonight. And uh, yeah, you know, you'd go along and. I mean, he, everyone loved him and you'd go to these nightclubs that you wouldn't invariably go to. Yeah. And 
there he'd be, you know. And Tony has, I don't think I've ever even said this on the air, on any air, but it was like, I'll try and cut, the, I'll have to cut very late into the story to avoid any sort of names or, or things. So I was like, so anyway, right, <laughs> the door goes, I'm just making, you know, you know, Goldie Hawns. Um, the Goldie, the haunt, the Goldies are in the pan. <laughs> and I pulled out a little bottle of rouge, mommy on. The door goes and it's her in a fur coat. She drops the fur coat at the door. <laughs> Starkers. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to him. I know, yeah. Those That's kind of cool. things happened to Tony. He was so... Where, <laughs> it's something you'd see in a movie. I was just found it so funny, though, when you, you had Dave Fanning on this mm. podcast and Dave told you the story. Nightman. That all he wanted to do was the voiceovers yeah. for the movies. That's right. Because he used to tell me that. And yeah. I was like, God, that's so he, I used to be recording. I'd be recording Gift Grub upstairs, right? And he'd come in. He'd be coming in looking for me to go for lunch, as in to go yeah. for a sandwich. We always used to walk like, like girlfriend and boyfriend. Yeah. We used to go down and have lunch together. We were nearly holding hands. We couldn't wait to get out with each other yeah, to have a little yeah, sandwich yeah. and to get the gossip, you know. Yeah. And he'd come up and he'd break into my gift grub sessions and he'd go, "Dude, can you hurry that shit up? Can you?" <laughs> like no respect for work whatsoever. But of course he did. But he was just taking the piss. Yeah. But he'd come in then to the studio when I'm doing a voice or whatever. Give me that mic. And he'd go, "Nightman. He only comes out at night. Never in the day. Nightman." <laughs> The worst film of all time. Yeah. Just making that up was his, his ultimate dream was to do yeah, that kind I know. of stuff. Don 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 yeah. Don, Don Fontaine. Don was Fontaine. Fontaine. Yeah, was a guy's was a, name. John Wells did all yeah. the two FM ones. And then Tony found this other guy in America called Zeus. Yeah. We've got a great guy this week. He's going to do all our idents. You know. And then, yeah, and I remember just about the voice though. But Liam Gallagher went, "That's a fucking nice Rolls Royce you got there, mate." <laughs> he said that to Tony. Yeah, didn't he? it was just like. So I'm here with no. I'm here with uh, Liam Gallagher. We're here in the Morrison yeah. Hotel. And he's like, Oi, that's a fucking nice rolls. <laughs> <laughs> but Tony loved all that kind of lingo. Yeah. And Tony actually, my the one of my tarf and the yeah, scarf. oh everything. But he, fruit. he, um, when I was a kid, I got through to the Jerry Ryan show every Thursday night on the Jerry Ryan show, ten till midnight. They would review records uh, with punters, hmm. and I get through, but. Jerry's not on that week. It's Tony. Hmm. So I reviewed some record by Tom Robinson. And I, can't, I, I always remembered it was the 4th of September, 1986. I am 15 years of age and I'm on Radio 2 with the Fentone. And I even asked him to, if I could introduce the next record. You know what I mean? So I, I jocked it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I better watch out for my job. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm an intersearch. You know what I mean? Like, this was the ultimate. Watch out for my job. This is the ultimate, right? Yeah. But he was just phenomenal. I remember one, like, he, he, he just had a way of saying things. And I remember one time, Ian Dempsey was um, coming into town from Sutton, right? And he's, about, he's going to, heading over the East Link. And whatever, he, he texts Tony, says, we're listening to you in the radio, just, just on the East Link right now, Tony. So Tony, within seconds, goes on air and he says, this one's for Eno, who's traveling from the north side to the south side, paying the 55. <laughs> it was 55 <laughs> pence to pay the 55. <laughs> paying the 55. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. it's classic. Do you Tony, know when yeah. Anchorman is going, Anchorman 1, yeah. and you know when it's going really well? Yeah. When the four buddies are clicking. Yes. That's Tony. Yeah. That's Tony. It's a complete cliche. Oh, no, Everybody's yeah. on fire. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. It's always going to work out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> it's just it was magical. Uh, no, magical. He was incredible, incredible. Mm. And uh, I, was, I, I was away when he passed. I knew he was really sick, and I knew he really did not want to die. Oh you know, God, no! There was too much living to be yeah. done. Yeah, and that guy loved. There's a time for all living. of us, I know. Shane, and that wasn't his time. No, that's the thing. I see that's so palpable about him. Yeah. That it palpably wasn't his time. I know, I know, you I know. know. I used to be in Dubai and I would hook up with Barry Lang, yeah. who was flying jets for Emirates. Yeah. You know, having been, you know, another one of my heroes is a radio DJ. Mm. He was terrific. He left in the same year as Eno. You know, 98 was a bad year for 2FM mm. with those guys going. But we'd just be kind of reminiscing about Tony and he knew him intimately since they were kids. Mm. They even had their own mobile disco mm. operation. Tobar yes, Tobar. Yeah. <laughs> Tony and Barry, you know, yeah. it was just, uh, I don't know, it's just... Guys like him, they don't make him uh, like yeah, that anymore. Yeah, no, they don't. And that's fair to say, But really. he, like, there was an element of the cliche about Tony, you know what I mean? How he, but he, he lampooned it so much. And yeah. In his own particular way that you found it irresistible. Yeah, there was also, very, there was a couple of negatives about Tony, but there was, a, but, but the, obviously the positives vastly outweighed them. Yeah. And I was very, very close with him. And, um, uh, the, 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 one of the, one of the best positives about him was, that he really went out of his way not to find a bad word to say anybody yeah. about anybody. Yeah. Um, even just for the fact that it would bring the vibe down. So he just preferred to live in a make-believe world oh, yeah. where basically everybody's cool and the gang yeah. rather than face up to the reality that your man might be a bit of a prick. Yeah. It's like, let's just forget about yeah. him. Tony yeah. would just go forget about him. Just, you know, it was, it was, it was you know, so he was, he was, he had a genuine sense of positivity. I would agree with that, yeah. yeah. And much missed. Um, Connor Moore. Yes. Connor Moore. So Connor was on this podcast and uh, we had a great chat. I don't know if you've, if you, if you listen back to it. I have it. listened to a lot of the podcasts now since I fell in love with your podcast recently. Yeah, Connor's yeah. really good on it because we're clicking together and, yeah. and we're having a good, and I'm really enjoying his anecdotes yeah. as well. I love the idea of just him being in the room with Tiger. And all that sort of Amazing, stuff. Amazing, but yeah. but you you had some small. Uh, mm, uh, no, um, I couldn't claim credit, but um, I think it was 2018 at the Masters. I was there working, and I was just checking my Twitter. Ireland is five hours ahead, uh, so obviously it's kind of early evening there. And I just spot this thing uh, in the afternoon, and it's this video that this Irish guy has come up with. I'd never heard of him. I knew he was doing some Joe.ie stuff or he whatever. He did, yeah, and he was doing, he was doing great stuff on Sherlock Nan. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he does a great Sherlock Nan. Oh, no, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, he's terrific. Yeah, yeah. And um, so he had done this golf parody, you know, of quite a few players, yeah. prominent players, Tiger, Bubba Watson, Ian Poulter. And he had this fantastic one on uh, Sergio Garcia. Mm. And Sergio is obviously the defending champion, right? Mm. So, and I am friendly with, uh, Sergio's manager he's got two managers so I'm friendly with those guys and I just think this is a hoot so I copy it and text Eric Mishkov who's his German manager and I said get a load of this it's a fantastic Sergio impersonation in the thing and I'm I'm not joking you within 20 minutes Sergio is tweeting about this thing <laughs> yeah yeah great because they've nothing to do. They're yeah. back at home or whatever, you know, in, yeah. in their houses. If they're not practicing, they're keeping a low profile. Yeah. So they're only with their hangers on and managers and whatever. Yeah. And uh, he just took a real shine to it. Yeah. And then the next, with Sergio's validation, 
they all started heaping onto it and sharing it. That's and it. It becomes okay to do almost. Yeah, it's like yeah. validation because like golf is so boring in many respects. Yeah. There are very few genuine personalities like Rory, yeah. you know, who we, we actually grow to like and some sometimes love, you know what I mean? Because yeah. they've got the X factor as people. Yeah. Not only are they great golfers, but most of them are fairly one dimensional. You know yeah. what I mean? And a lot of the Americans, um, you know, they're dull. They, you know, they, they don't give out much. So the personalities are not big mm. and the golf world and the golf media world um lives within that as yeah, well. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There are, there are, there what, are barriers. What, what about your observations of some of these people? Like there are developing golfing personalities in terms of at least polarising opinion. Yeah. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau is yeah. one of the most polarising of golfers that, that has ever yeah. um, uh, played. But he's great for the game. He is great he's for the game. He's amazing mm. for the game. But I he mean, divides golf within golf, doesn't he? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because... Like he is living in Bryson's world. Mm. He sees the world through a Bryson prism. You know what I mean? He mm. is like utterly self-obsessed. Mm. For and those of you who don't know Bryson DeChambeau out there, Bryson is um, one of the top golfers in the world, but he is extremely controversial. He plays with all the clubs in his bag at the exact same length as each other. It's the only person I've ever heard of doing this. He also put on an enormous amount of physical beef on his body. He put on an during awful lockdown. amount of muscle during lockdown, leading to a whole load of suspicions and and, yeah. and and inquiries from people going, how did he put on this weight so quickly? And the weight, of course, led him to be able to hit the ball longer than anybody else on tour. But he changed his technique. He, he developed a technique to actually do this, to be able to absolutely hit it like you see these guys once a year, the long hitters, the long, world long drive championships. Yeah. And, you know, they hit at phenomenal distances. Yeah. So he's bringing that to the pro game. Uh, but he has a huge talent. Always has. Yeah. And he's always divided opinion anyway because he's a bit smart. He's a bit bright. So he's... Oh, is he know, bright? He, yeah. yeah, he's cerebral. You know mm. what I mean? So he's... Mm. he's um, That's one thing I didn't know He's a mathematician. Him. He's a scientist. Mm. You know, that would have been his major in college. The scientist, In SMU yeah. and all the rest of it. And um, so he's a bit smarter than your average bear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But a lot of the time it's above everyone's heads. Yeah. You know, it's just like too much to try and understand. And um, t- total change of question now here, Shane. Um, did you feel pissed off when Donny arrived on the scene that you weren't the only famous feckin' Irish guy on <laughs> CNN? He's brilliant, isn't he? Isn't he great? Ah, he's terrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I sent him a note. I just said, well done on everything that you're doing. And he texted me back on DM or whatever and said, hopefully our paths will cross soon. You know, he's just a really nice fella. Um, but he was the perfect man in the moment and you you know he had the stuff so he had really done all the background on you know all of the misinformation that was out there he had and you know he had a great background in all of that but also crucially when he's speaking to this is the crux yeah when he's speaking to Trumpers yeah at a Trump rally he doesn't have an American accent yeah and they find it easier to trust him perhaps yeah they open up to him they they? do because he's kind of just Dhoni yeah. With the muscle, with the beard. Or with oh, the no, beard. He'd be there in a pair of cargo shorts as well and a t-shirt. But he doesn't go, hey, why are you supporting Trump? Yeah. And they'd go, oh, you're obviously some CNN dickhead Democrat. Yeah. But he goes, how's it going? Can I just ask you, like, why Why are you? Like, yeah. you know, and, and they're, oh, this guy's kind of some different, you know. But it's a huge thing to mine, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's so many of them. I mean, he could, he could be doing that for the rest of time, to be honest with you, with regard to getting those polar opinions. Yeah, they seem to like him there. He's been made a correspondent. Oh, no, he's, big... he's doing really well. Yeah. Doing really well. And um, what about you? What about you? What's your 
what what plans have you got in your um, mind now? Because I mean, it's a great gig you have on CNN Living yeah. Golf. Yeah. But you but you were saying to me coming up the stairs, I'm a lot, I'm I'm in Ireland mostly, and I could do a lot more here. Yeah, I'd like to do a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> you know, I wrote a book in nineteen or in two thousand and seven. A golf book, you know, which I'd like to actually explore a bit more now with regard to um, website podcasting and stuff like that. It's kind of focusing in on the legends of the game. So it's a bit of a history type thing. But I I do like celebrating golf and celebrating golfers and kind of I have a good black book. So, you know, I'd like to be able to do more from home. And now, given modern technology, I'd like to be able to kind of do that, you know, because, you know, you can call anyone up now and get people on Zoom or yeah. on FaceTime or FaceTime audio and uh, Teams. Mm. I mean, the quality is really good. Mm. Have you ever got any mad great invites to play golf with billionaires and stuff like that at mad places? Well, I've I've played Augusta three times, mm. which was rather sweet. It was. But I mean, that was actually because I was working there and you just put your name into the hat, hat. and you know there's, yeah, I heard there's about a lottery that. Yeah. and is that a really is it a special to play in real life as it well looks? you play it on the Monday morning they don't you know so it's the it's the Sunday pins yeah. so you're playing the course that the you just saw the lads play. playing yeah. last night and is it amazing and my first time was in 2005 on my debut for the you know at the Masters for RTE actually and I got plucked out of the hat and um, Tiger had chipped in on 16 the night before I turn up and I'm teeing off the 10th. I'm not teeing off the 1st, I'm teeing off the 10th. So within a few minutes, I am there on 16 where Tiger hit one of the greatest shots of well, all was time. was this, um, my goodness, in your life, in your life you ever seen yeah. anything like it? And the it. little Nike emblem. Yeah, just dropping into the hole. In your life! <laughs> oh my goodness. America. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, over the top. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. So, and then the pathetic little high five that him and. Uh, uh, yeah, Stevie and Steve he never really had that yeah, one but, down. But do they? Know, the, 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 the high five golfers trying to be cool never works. Well, I mean, and in the moment, like, you know, you want to celebrate. Hmm. And that's the only way Americans do. You yeah, know what I mean? They're yeah. all kind of pretty much the same, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Shane, there's been a few people listening on the phone. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, are you willing to take a couple of calls from Absolutely, people? Absolutely, yeah. You wouldn't believe who's on the line. Go on, who Podrick is? Harrington is no on the way. line. Yeah, no yeah. Way. Hi, Podrick. Say hello to Podrick. Hey, Podrick. How you doing? Uh, hi. Hi, Shane. I really, really um, uh, enjoying the conversation. It's absolutely brilliant, you know. And Thanks, actually, yeah. you know, you, you know so much about golf. I mean, it's very impressive, you know. Um, I'm told that you actually do a good impression of me. Uh, so, would, is there any chance, you know, because I'd like to hear it. Because, I, I mean, obviously, I am me. So this is true. It is, but and that's what actually, people love about you is you're so uniquely you, Patrick. Yeah, but I'm also so you know analytical. So if I could just if you did me, uh, or do you have several different versions of me, or what? No, I only have the one. Uh, oh yeah, that's so, kind of nasal. Yeah, it is. But Podrick's actually is nasal. He you is know, actually. Yeah, and, uh, I mean I am. Yeah. So you know, like what you were saying there is is bang on. But uh, you know, when I was trying to you know make it as a golfer. I felt that I, the only way to do it was to outwork people. Yeah. So, you know... That's right, because I remember that, because I didn't have as much talent as the others. Yeah, so, like, uh, you know, my success is uh, is 95% perspiration. Yeah. No doubt about it, it is. you know. I wasn't even the best in Stackstown. That's right, yeah. No. No, really? I was useless. Yeah, Kid Flood and Ronan Flood and all these guys, you know. Guys, Shane, that's a great impression. Sorry, Porig, that's a great impression. Sorry, well, it's obviously not you doing the impression, Porig. That's a great impression, because I also do an impression of Porig as well. Do you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I could do Porig as well. 
Mario, that's not a bad impression of me. Shane, do your one again? Or mine's more contrary. So if you ask me a question, I will say, no, no, that's not actually what I was thinking at all. Yeah, no, see, he's moving his head like Podrick does as well. Yeah, and you can't make So that was me contact. doing Podrick's impression, not Podrick. Yeah, uh, who's doing who at this stage? When you're doing Podrick, you know, you, you can't make eye contact because no. he doesn't make eye exactly, contact. Exactly, because I'm thinking too hard. Yeah, so don't overthink it. But, you know, what you need to do, you know, you need to work on your fundamentals. Yeah, but you need to think about it so hard that you're not actually thinking about it. Yeah. And then get out a stimp meter and uh, a spirit level. That's right. But, you know, what you need to do is focus. And the more you can focus on your focus, the more focused you'll be. Exactly. I believe in the focus. Guys, that's two fantastic impressions. Well done. Um, Donald Trump is on the line as well, Shane. Oh. He's the only thing. It's very hard to hear because he's always beside a helicopter. Yeah. Shane, this is Donald J. Trump. Every word that you said was an absolute lie. And this is going to be the highest rated podcast of the whole series. And believe me, I've heard Connor Moore. Total faker, total liar. He's a big lie. They talk about the big lie. Connor Moore, the big con. That's what I say. I never even met Shane. <laughs> I never even met him. We did. Well, I've met you Aberdeen, three times. Uh, Aberdeen. Nobody knows more about Aberdeen than me. Nobody. Yeah, well, your your mother is Scottish, really. She's, from, she's from Stornoway. You're making jokes about my mother. <laughs> Let's not go there, she, she was a big fan of Frank Patterson. Well, I love Frank. Frank was a great singer. Nobody's as good a singer as me. I sang Frank off the table. My way, terrible song. But you do it when it's required. God bless Jesus you. Jesus Christ. Thanks a million, uh, Donald. Thanks a, thanks a million. Uh, who else? Is there it's great to you? get the opportunity to meet him again. Thank it you is, very much it, for that, Mario. It's great. GMAC is on the line. Say hello to GMAC. Say hello to him anyway. Hello, GMAC. Yeah, how you doing, Shane? Oh, it's just great. It's just great to be able to see another Irish guy just hold on to his Irishness like me. <laughs> you know, because like, very few people hold on to their home roots like I do. But you do. You really do, and I really love the way you do that, Shane, that you don't Thanks. get affected or kind of, you know, yeah. none of your airs and graces of going abroad and suddenly you're... Are you're, you telling me I don't have a Clamell accent anymore? No, you have a good, good uh, Irish accent like myself. So that's what you do. You go abroad and then you maintain your own Irish accent. Yeah, top of the morning, GMAC. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tubbs is on the line as well. Say oh, that gee. Oh, I Really, 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 really enjoy that. And you know what? I love the way you talked about me being on the radio like I'm a politician. Because I do JFK, <laughs> JFK. It's like they're all votes. They're all votes. Everyone's votes. a vote. Everybody's a voter. They're all voters out there. Always say hello to the cleaner. Every you always told me that. Cleaner. Nissan Micra. Say hello to the little guy, the shoe shine guy. But don't buy shares off him because that's what JFK's dad did. JFK's dad said that. Oh, fantastic, <laughs> Shane. Great to hear you again. Super to hear you. Jesus, he's a mad energy in him, doesn't he? Yeah. Shane, that is it. Uh, that is it. I really, really enjoyed that conversation now. And um, Great to see you again, man. Ah, brilliant to see you. Brilliant to see you. Genuinely. 
genuinely? No, I think we might see more <laughs> of each other now um, because I didn't even realise you were in Ireland. Yeah. And I'll definitely be mooching rounds of golf off you at Port Marnock. So I want that, I want that officially recorded no, no, that no, he no. did ask me to play Port Marnock. Yeah, I did. Shane, it's great to, it's great to see you again after, after all these years. After all these years, Mario, it's always a pleasure. Love what you're doing with the podcast. I meant it when I sent you a text <laughs> and I wasn't mooching for a spot on your podcast, but it's been a pleasure being with you. Delighted to have had you. Delighted to have had you. I'm delighted to have had you. <laughs> And that's it. My thanks to Shane O'Donoghue and his uh, voice of liquid treacle. Uh, my thanks, of course, to you um, for listening. Thanks, of course, to our great sponsor, Curry's. Listen back to Charlie Bird, if you can, um, because it's a really good example of how this podcast works, but also a really inspirational story um, that Charlie is communicating. And that climb, of course, is Climb with Charlie on April 2nd. Subscribe, follow, recommend to a friend if you can, and give us a rating. See you same time, same place next week back at this podcast. Bye-bye.